So we are going to Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 1. Actually, we're not right now. We're going to uh, just have a little bit of an introduction first, and uh, then we will do our reading. I I forgot that I planned to do the reading uh, after my uh, opening couple of paragraphs. So uh, let me uh, let me just uh, um, uh, take a, a few moments to, uh, as it were, uh, sketch in a little bit of introduction first before we do our reading. And the purpose for that, let me explain, is that I don't want to just recount the narrative uh, again today. So uh, the narrative will follow this brief introduction. So here's uh, here's what we, we have to think about uh, at the moment. This, uh, this young woman that we have encountered over the last few weeks, this uh, girl called Ruth, was a Moabite lady. She was a Moabite-s. And she had been married to a young Jewish man in the land of Moab. But soon after being married to this young man, her husband died, leaving her as a widow at a very young age and without any family. And despite being so young, Ruth chose not to seek another husband amongst her own people, but rather because she had been so taken by the spirit and the worship and the teaching of her family, her new family, and particularly, may I suggest, Naomi, uh, her mother-in-law, that she chose rather to dedicate herself to the care of her aging mother-in-law. And though very poor, she chose to live with her in the land of Israel. And Ruth learned from Naomi about the God of Israel. And she came to trust in the God of Israel as her own God. She gave up the idolatry of her younger life. She gave up the religion of the Moabites. And she trusted in the Lord. And she looked forward in faith to the time of the Messiah, as did all those in Israel who were the people of God. And let me just mention something else about the context here. When the children of Israel, and we're talking about the nation, the children of Israel. Someone reminded me recently that I don't always distinguish between the Old Testament people, the nation of the children of Israel, and those who are the spiritual Israel that we sometimes talk about as well. Well, there are those who are believers, who are the spiritual Israel, and there obviously was the Old Testament nation of Israel. And it's that Old Testament nation that I'm speaking about right now. When the children of Israel, the Old Testament nation, came out of Egypt, God gave laws about marriage and relationships. The people were to respect marriage. Young people were to keep themselves pure for their husbands or their wives. And married people were to honour one another 
and remain faithful to their wedding vows. And this, whether it was young people or whether it was married people, this uh, uh, willingness, this instruction of the Lord that they were to keep themselves clean and pure was a picture, even back then, of the Lord Jesus Christ's love for his church and his people's pure white garments of holiness. Improper or impure physical relationships were to be avoided and faithfulness to our life partners was to be highly prized and carefully preserved. Now, God also gave laws about bearing and raising children. And throughout the history of Israel, there was an awareness that the Messiah would be born into a family line. The Messiah was not just going to, as it were, appear out of nowhere. The, the, the Messiah would be one of the people of Israel. Which family he would, which tribe, which family he would come from was not revealed in the earlier part of the history. These were fuller revelations that were given in time. But God gave laws concerning childbirth. And there was a value placed on children within the family structure of the children of Israel. God gave laws that if a man should die, rather than the family line dying out, the widow had a right to marry a brother or a near relation, someone called a kinsman, and the first son from that second marriage would maintain the dead father's name so that his line would not be lost. Now, as Naomi thought about Ruth's situation, she realised that Ruth had a right to be married to a kinsman and have a child raised up to her dead husband's memory. That was Naomi's son. That Ruth had a right to be married to a kinsman and have a child raised to her dead husband's memory memory. And it was clear to Naomi that Boaz had taken a liking and an interest in Ruth. And he was a kinsman. But the question was whether or not he would be willing to honour the law of God and marry a Moabite woman. So Naomi devised a plan to test Boaz and draw out his true feelings towards Ruth. Her plan, however, was not without real risk. There was a risk for Ruth's personal, physical safety. There was a risk for reputations, both Ruth's and Boaz's reputation, and their standing in the community. And Naomi 
nevertheless decided that this was the best approach and she told Ruth what she should do. And now we will come to our reading in chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy ha- thine handmaid, spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest 
until he have finished the thing this day. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading. So here we see what Naomi instructed Ruth to do. And this was a very delicate situation. It was not wise for a woman to go out alone in the darkness, nor indeed was it proper to lie down beside a man who was not her husband. And though Boaz and Ruth were both honourable and their conduct was without fault, yet honour and reputation would be damaged if they had been seen together at such a time in such a place. Despite the risk, however, Ruth was obedient to Naomi and Boaz, appreciating the circumstances and appreciating what was happening when he woke out of his sleep and knowing the law of a kinsman, quickly understood his responsibility and the encouragement of, and he encouraged Ruth uh, uh, for acting in the way that she did. Boaz at once reassured Ruth. Uh, he uh, realised that uh, her reputation was intact, that her actions were selfless, that she had been acting out of instruction from Naomi and that it was from a principle of honouring God. Indeed, her dedication to Naomi and her dedication to the memory of her husband, she clearly showed she placed above her own natural desire and her own safety. She was faithful to her promise. She was faithful to Naomi. She was faithful to her dead husband. And she was faithful to the Lord. And all this Boaz saw in this act, in this action, in this deed that she had done. So that his initial admiration for Ruth that he had felt at their first meeting was both justified and added to as he observed the evidence of God's work in her life. He saw her qualities as a woman. He saw her qualities as a wife and as a daughter-in-law and as a believer. And Boaz was a spiritual man. And he too wished to do God's will. He wished to do right by the word of God. So Ruth would have what she required and what she desired. A husband in obedience to the laws of God. And a child raised under the protection and security of a father. And blessing for her and for her mother-in-law. Boaz would see to it. And as a token, he took for Naomi and he counted out six measures of grain, of barley. All that Ruth could carry. 
and he conducted her back to the safety of her mother-in-law's house. But Boaz knew that there was a problem, an issue about this matter as well. Boaz, for all his affection for Ruth and all his admiration for her, he knew he was not the closest kinsman. Another kinsman had priority and his rights must be dealt with first. If the law of God was going to be applied as it should, then it must be applied entirely and it must be applied consistently. There's no flexibility when it comes to God's law. You do it right or you don't do it at all. So Boaz asked Ruth to be patient. He would take responsibility for her. It was early in the morning, but by the end of the day, Boaz would have sorted out this matter and Ruth would have her husband. The only question was, would it be Boaz or would it be someone else? Boaz wanted it to be him, but he had some work to do first. Here are a couple of applications that I want to draw from this chapter and then we'll be done. The first one is this. Ruth's underlying desire was to honour God and to be obedient to God's word. But to do so took her out of her comfort zone. Probably the last place that she wanted to be that night was wandering around near the threshing floor in the darkness, following a night of feasting and drinking after the harvest had been gathered in. And yet this was precisely where Naomi pointed her to. Outside her comfort zone is where the business of meeting Boaz must take place. And this speaks to me of a sinner coming to Christ. Ruth surely was poor and her circumstances made her vulnerable. But it was knowing her poverty and it was with an awareness of her need, indeed her desperation, that she lay down submissively at the feet of the only one who could help her. She had no reason to hope in any other. And a poor sinner brought to see our true spiritual condition and our true spiritual need can do no better than to come submissively to Christ. Come submissively and lie down at the feet of Christ for the salvation and the help which he alone can give. No doubt in doing this, Ruth was full of fear and apprehension. Would she be safe 
How would Boaz react? Might he be angry? Might he shame her? Might he cast her out for being disrespectful? Was it presumptuous for a Moabitess to apply for marriage to such a great person as Boaz? When sinners truly understand their sin, they come to Christ with just such fears. Will he accept me? Will he be angry? Am I being presumptuous to think that someone as unworthy as me could be received by one as great as he? I want you to be brave like Ruth and venture on Christ. Go to him. Even if the devil, even if the devil tells you not to. Even if the fear of rejection makes you doubt. So this is the first application that I want to leave with you. No matter how, it, how hard it might seem, poor sinners like you and like me, we need to go to Jesus. The second point I want to leave with you is this. It's good news. If you go to him, Jesus will receive you. And he will receive you with love and kindness and gentleness. Just as Boaz treated Ruth. Be sure of it. No one who ever came to the Lord Jesus Christ for help and forgiveness was ever turned away empty. Boaz at once saw Ruth's need and her helplessness. His heart was touched. He received her. He comforted her. He protected and provided for her. And this is what the Lord Jesus does for all who come to him for help. I don't know what is happening in your life right now, nor what the future holds for you. But I know this, there will be periods of trial, there will be periods of hardship, there will be periods of hurt, there will be periods of falling, there will be periods of trouble. But no matter how poor you feel yourself to be, no matter how unworthy, no matter how dirty, no matter how ashamed, Jesus receives poor sinners. Jesus will receive you and forgive you and make you anew. He will take responsibility to do you good. He will come into your life he will change, he will transform the person that you are and take away the poverty and the need that you feel. Ruth is a picture of a needy sinner. Boaz is a picture of a sufficient saviour. If you come humbly to Christ as Ruth came to Boaz, the Lord Jesus Christ will be your Boaz and you 
will be his Ruth. Amen. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us.